the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. There's still money. Everything's under control for the next 10 minutes at least. Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse. I never knew how to say it. Is it Credit Swiss or Credit Suisse? Uh, it's, who knows? Anyway, uh, they're, uh, they're, are they teetering? Is everything going to be okay? I think it's going to be okay. Uh, but you don't want to, goodness gracious. Now I've learned a little bit about banking and, uh, the whole system. It's a bit more precarious than you might think. Right, right, right. Uh, what else is going on? Uh, things are, Tuesdays are kind of odd. Things are kind of, there's a lot of reflecting on yesterday. I am going to read you this. All right. This just came out from a blog. More than a blog, it's a liberal website that hates conservatives, it hates Fox, it hates Newsmax, and it hates me, which is fantastic, quite frankly. Newsmax gave Tucker Carlson's January 6th revisionism nearly seven times more coverage than his own Fox colleagues. Yes, that's true. I I didn't actually run the numbers like this guy did, uh, but it's true. Uh, let's see here. Let's skip down to the part about me. It's got my picture up there. And um, let's see here. Greg Kelly reports Newsmax's flagship show provided the most promotion of any program with more than 37 minutes of coverage, a total exceeding what all of Carlson's Fox's Fox colleagues provided combined. Kelly lauded Carlson, his effort and hammered Fox for not treating it as a big story. Tonight, we're grateful for what Tucker Carlson did. By the way, you know what I'm talking about, right? The 41,000 hours, uh, they only showed a few minutes of it. Hopefully, there's more. But the footage, the security camera footage that showed that Officer Sicknick was alive when they told us he was dying, and that showed that the Horns guy, Jacob Chansley, seemed to uh, be cooperating, and the police were cooperating with him like they were working together, something very strange. Anyway... Uh, back to the article. Tonight, we're grateful for what Tucker Carlson did, Kelly said during his March 7th broadcast, adding that Carlson's work blows up the Democrat narrative of that day. After spending several minutes promoting Carlson's findings, Kelly attacked Carlson's colleagues for not giving the story sufficient attention. You know, attack is such a strong word. You know, attack to me connotes a physical attack, all right? I criticized. I deeply criticized. I... Attack, but whatever you want to call it, attack. Fine. Tucker's own network, Fox News, is ignoring probably the biggest story they've had in maybe twenty years since a correspondent entered Baghdad with coalition troops. Kelly said. By the way, that correspondent who entered Baghdad with coalition troops—that was me. By the way, that was a little plug that they did not pick up on in the article here. Uh, Kelly called out the hosts of Fox and Friends for having no interest and ignoring the huge news that everybody at Fox is talking about. Adding. What are they? Jealous? It's a really good question. You'd be honest. You'd be surprised how uh, jealous these people can be of each other. I don't get it. Um, you know, you're, you're all on TV, whatever. You're all got jobs. I mean, this is an important news story. It's you just got to tell the story, man. And if you didn't get it, that's fine. All right. You guys lift stuff from The New York Times all the time. All the time. If it comes from the New York Times, it seems to be very, very good, especially if you're the Hemmer Perino team. More on them tonight. Uh, let's see. 
The next night, after touting Carlson's groundbreaking, totally amazing information about what went down on January 6th, Kelly again targeted Carlson's colleagues. The January 6th allegations are amazing and important and are, are only of interest to us. Nobody at Fox News is covering it, he said, calling out the anchors of America's newsroom and the hosts of The Five. You're not being honest. It's not the first time Fox has been dishonest with their viewers. Well, that's true. Uh, let's see here. Other Newsmax programs picking up Carlson's footage included the Chris Salcedo Show, 26 minutes. Wake Up America, 25 minutes. John Bachman Now, 20 minutes. Newsmax News in Depth, 14 minutes. Saturday Agenda, 12 minutes. Wise Guy with John Tobacco, great guy, 11 minutes. American Agenda, 10 minutes. The Count. Nine minutes and blah, blah, blah. Oh, Huckabee, nine minutes. Wendy Bell, nine minutes. You see, we covered it. Uh, what is wrong with them? What's going on there? Is it the boss of the company? Is it the big billionaire who says, uh, well, he is what they call an oligarch, right? He's an oligarch. These billionaires, these media billionaires, they think they run the country. And I guess there's evidence you could make the case that they do. And right now they are relentlessly pushing Ron DeSantis. He is their guy. He is the guy of the ruling class. Is Ron going to be able to stick it to them like he can stick it to the News 9 reporter of Tampa Bay? I know he's really good at shutting down uh, News Channel 8 of Tallahassee, uh, but can he handle these other characters? I don't know. We don't know. So far, by the way, I, 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 I'm hearing that they're a bit intimidated and daunted the DeSantis people thought it would be easier taking on Donald Trump. They overestimated the Trump fatigue factor of which there's some out there. Some people are over him, Um, but I think he's more than Trump fatigue, Trump loyalty. That's the factor you guys got to worry about. All right. So Trump has also emerged as a kind of an improved candidate. I mean, the messages that he's putting out there, very, very substantive. They're still, he takes shots. They're fun. Um, but they're, they're succinct. They're to the point. He went to Iowa, gave a very long speech, but it wasn't like a rally. It was a bit more on message. Now, I like this stuff. I liked it when he was all over the place. Sometimes your target audience is not the, is not the audience, believe it or not. I think what he's trying to do is signal to members of the ruling class, that it doesn't have to be a free for all every time he gets in front of a microphone. He can, he can play it a bit more straight. I haven't listened to all of last night. Did you guys actually hear some highlights? Uh, cut one, please. Donald Trump in Iowa. Cut one. Ron was a disciple of Paul Ryan, who is a rhino loser who currently is destroying Fox and would constantly vote against entitlements. He would just vote against. Remember that the wheelchair over the cliffs, the Democrats used it. The wheelchair over the cliff commercial, very effective. That was about him. (laughs) But Ryan, Paul Ryan's a big reason that Mitt Romney, I'm not a big fan of Mitt Romney, lost his election. And to be honest with you, Ron reminds me a lot of Mitt Romney. So I don't think you're going to be doing so well here, but we're going to find out. But those are the facts. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, in a way, DeSantis and Mitt, I mean, uh, DeSantis is uh, the establishment guy. Uh, he is the establishment guy. Now, I love the anti-woke. I like Ron someday, not this time. Uh, I think he's got some growing to do, some maturing to do. How about that? He, got, he Boy, does he have Paul Ryan's number. Hey, Paul Ryan, you know who his mentor was in the House of Representatives? His mentor. 
the guy he went to for guidance and advice, and uh, it was Barney Frank. Barney Frank, Democrat congressman of Massachusetts, who gave us Dodd-Frank, who also was on the board of Signature Bank. Hey, I, I'm, you know, part of that is actually not a problem. It is a problem, and it's not a problem. I'm not saying that he became a liberal because he started hanging around Barney Frank. I'm not saying that. But he did go to uh, Barney Frank for advice. And Barney Frank said, you got to specialize in something. You got to pick something and specialize in it. You know, there's a lot of things you can pick here. And he, t- and he became, and, and, and Paul Ryan became the budget guy. And, you know, to be honest, it's kind of nice. You know, I mean, do, we, we used to kind of value uh, bipartisanship and, and working together. So I don't fault him for that. What do I fault Paul Ryan for? I, I fault him for losing to Joe Biden in a talking contest. All right. That was really bad. Uh, that's unforgivable. Uh, Paul Ryan was not of sufficient stature or accomplishment for the vice presidential nomination in, in 2012. He wasn't a congressman. Uh, it was the how old was he? Thirty nine or something like that. Not a war vet. Not, not you know, he, he was a career politician. He got to the House of Representatives when he was like 26, 26, and he's a gym rat and uh, a congressman. So what? We needed something more than that. And also, as a young man, and this is where you got to worry about anybody who's young, actually, a little bit, a little bit, you got to worry about it. Are they in it more for themselves and their family than they are for the country? Now, when you're Paul Ryan, one eye is looking at your future. What am I going to do next? What's in it? What? How am I going to navigate the next 30 years of my life? You know, because if if, if he's going to be an ex-president for a long time, if you go to Paul Ryan's Twitter right now, you know what it says? The office of the 45th speaker of the House of Representatives, no, 105th speaker of the House of Representatives, as if that's a job. And it is actually. An ex-speaker of the of the House of Representatives, you can make millions doing that. All right, more from last night. Donald Trump, cut two. For those of you that didn't notice, Florida was doing great long before Ron DeSantis got there. People are fleeing from New York to Florida and other places because of high taxes and out-of-control crime. It's really bad. Not because of the governor. Thank you, Mr. President, for doing that. But it's not because of the governor. Florida was doing fantastically. You had a governor named Rick Scott who did a very good job. Even Charlie Crist, a Democrat, did a good job, and he had very good numbers. Sunshine and ocean are very alluring. It's not too hard to work with those factors. So just remember, Florida was doing really well long before Ron DeSantis got there. What is this DeSantis thing? (laughs) What does it mean? Desanctimonious, I think. He's a desanctus. Uh, look, yeah, it's true, though. People were drawn to Florida. I remember as a kid, people would move to Florida. You retire in Florida. You go to Florida. One of the things, no taxes. I lived in Florida for a little while. I was in Pensacola. You know what everybody did? Everybody I was in the Marine Corps with, you know what they did? They became Florida residents, Florida citizens. Uh, because of the no taxes and then they go wherever they go. They're still Florida. I didn't do that, by the way, you know, out of a weird sense of loyalty to New York. How about that? Uh, still in paying the taxes. I could have, I could have signed up with Florida, could have gotten a great big fat military exemption. I didn't do it. I should have. Uh, all right, let's wrap up with Donald Trump last night. Okay. This is back in Iowa. Cut three. I think we'll make it a lot of progress. I think that the 
that Congress is doing a very good job now. We have some people. Nancy Pelosi is packing. She's gone. Getting her out is a big, that's a big step. And I think, Kevin, and all of the people in Congress, I tell you what, you know, that whole, people thought it was a fiasco. I think it was a beautiful thing, as it turned out. That five or six nights of voting and voting and voting and voting, I actually think that was like a cleansing action. It was a great thing that happened. And there's great unity in Congress. Uh, that wasn't the most memorable shot, but it's not bad. Uh, one more. Cut four. Cut four. Donald Trump in Iowa. We do have to do something about Mitch McConnell. He's he's a disaster. He's a disaster. He, he gets his 10 guys and they give Biden whatever they want. There's something going on that doesn't make sense. They give him whatever they want. He gets his 10, 12 guys and they vote in order to give the passage because you need the 60 votes usually and they vote and they give him what he wants. I just cannot understand. Nobody can understand it. We got to get him the hell out. He's a problem. Big problem. In the meantime, I hope he's feeling well, but he's a big problem. <laughs> That's right. He fell and hit his head a couple of days ago. He just got out of the hospital. Hope he's feeling well, but he's a. it's a big problem. It is a big problem. Mr. McConnell is American people. Donald Trump, January 6th, January 6th. Uh, what a scam that was. Hey, Mike Pence, by the way, Mike Pence, as Donald Trump is in Iowa, with the people talking about issues, talking about policy. Yeah. Talking about his opponents, right? Talking politics. You got to do that in politics, right? Uh, where was Mike Pence lying about January 6th in front of a bunch of people with tuxedos on? Uh, he went there and again, you know, just this is what the fake news, uh, the swamp loves to hear. Donald Trump was wrong on January 6th. Donald Trump put my life in jeopardy on January 6th. All that crap. Which is not true. Uh, did Donald Trump call you, Mr. Vice President? He did not. Why do you think that is? D- David, that's going to have to be a question you'll have to ask the president. I was too busy. I was in a bunker in the Capitol on January 6th. Worried for my life and for my daughter's life. How about getting on the phone if it was that uh, touchy, Right. Everyone's bitching and moaning that Trump did not call that. It doesn't work that way. You're the staff. You work for him. You see a need for presidential action. You get on the damn phone and call him. It was a coup. Absolutely. Orchestrated by all of them. All of them. Now, is it on paper somewhere? Is there an email chain? No. Because it was done with winks, nods, and just a little, almost a little bit of telepathy. They all knew what to do. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly. Kelly. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. They, uh, I give Fox News a hard time and they deserve it. Absolutely. But, 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 uh, gotta say, they've got that pretty amazing war correspondent, Benjamin Hall, and I just downloaded his book, 
saved a war reporter's mission to make it home by Benjamin Hall. Um, it was a year ago. I think, was it a year ago today? Yeah, a year ago today, he was in a very serious attack, a bomb blast, and uh, he lost limbs. He was he came very close to death. His cameraman, Pierre, Pierre Kalka, I believe, was killed. And another producer, a producer was killed. And it's amazing that he's alive. And he looks fantastic, oh, by the way. He's on television right now talking about this book, which I downloaded uh, this morning and uh, saved a war reporter's mission to make it home by Benjamin Hall. And uh, let's see. It's I'm going to read from the prologue on page one. Kiev, Oblast, Ukraine, March 14th, 2022. The first explosion tore through a stand of pine birch trees 20 feet in front of us, and we barely turned to look before the second bomb whistled overhead and landed right next to us, and everything went dark. Not just dark, black, deep, infinite blackness, a void in which no thought or awareness seemed possible. If I had the slightest hint of consciousness, it was a distant sense of shockwaves, and the feeling that every part of my body, bones, organs, sinew, my soul, had been knocked out of me, leaving behind a useless husk. I was all but dead. But then, improbably, out of this crippling nothingness, a, f- a figure came through, and I heard a familiar voice as real as anything I'd ever known. Daddy, you've got to get out of the car. That's pretty, wow. I heard him talk about this in an interview. He heard a voice, his daughter's voice. Daddy, you've got to get out of the car. How about that? And he lived. Had to go through enormous physical therapy, and I am so glad he he's alive. You know, I anyway. Sometimes you say things on air, and uh, I remember his war coverage, and it was uh, people were having a debate about it before all this happened, and uh, I'm so glad he made it. Um, the book is you're, if you're buying books these days, and I know you already bought mine, right? Greg Kelly, Justice for All. Well, this is a great one. Again, I just bought it, and that's the first page and a half, huh? Uh, let's see. I want to make sure I get the title right. Saved a war reporter's mission to make it home by Benjamin Hall. He's alive. And that's awesome. Be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, breaking news all over the place. Although it's not the biggest thing I've ever seen. A Russian fighter jet collides with U.S. drone, according to, well, pretty much everybody. Russian fighter jet. Uh, let's see here. Uh, no, not that's not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was deliberate. Probably was. It's not a drone like you fly around, uh, your backyard to take pictures or whatever. It's, uh, uh it's more like an UAV, an unmanned aerial vehicle. People say drones are not really drones. Uh, they're like remote controlled airplanes, a little bit different from a drone. Drone is a total misnomer. I forget that. Anyway, um, did they deliberately take it out? Most likely, most likely. And why would they do that? Because, uh, they're not afraid of us anymore and they're frustrated and, uh, they're, they're pushing back in big ways and small. Russian jet hits drone over. This happened over the Black Sea. Huh. Uh, what else do we have to say about that? These are the kinds of things that happen. It's really no big deal as far as things go. 
Um, hey, Eric Adams, have you noticed that he is <laughs> – all he can do is talk about problems. All he can do is say stuff. All he can do is talk. All he's ever done in his entire life is complain. He does not understand power. He does not understand the levers of government. There is a – it's an art. It's a little bit art. It's a little bit science. It's uh it's a big, complicated ball, and there are some people who are really, really good at it. Uh, let's see. Who are the ones? Who mastered that game? All right? I'm talking about the game of government. All right? There are all kinds of other things, of factors. If you want to get stuff done, Rudy Giuliani comes to mind. Um, Lyndon Johnson, believe it or not. Lyndon Johnson. This man understood power, and when he got it, he was ready to use it. Uh, Eric Adams doesn't have a clue. <laughs> he does not know what he's doing, doesn't know how to do anything. He does know how to uh, shoot his mouth off because that's what he's been doing. He you know, stands on the steps of uh, Brooklyn Borough Hall, then it's City Hall, right? Just uh, asking for stuff. Cut 21, please. Cut 21. I couldn't help but to uh, reflect on just the next generation and uh, how the conversation on... A living is just shifting. What we have in the city is a housing crisis, a housing crisis. And the goal is to build low income, middle income and market and to sure up NYCHA. So it's not a one size fits all. Housing crisis, housing crisis. You know, it'd be interesting if we had a if we had a person who was in charge of uh, like, you know, the agencies, right? who could move resources, who could appoint people, who could actually be a liaison between the government and the private sector, uh, between local government and, say, federal government. If we had one person who knew how actually things worked and could get on the phone or go to their office or some of them, if if we had that entity. Oh, here's what it's called, a mayor. All right, we have that. We have that's there's a job, it's perfectly situated to do all those things. But we have an idiot, a particularly vapid, self-absorbed narcissist as mayor. And uh oh, was he on the Sid show today? Hold on a second. Got 22. What about these vacant offices that you guys are turning into affordable housing? <laughs> I know you got a press conference. It's really 11:30 this why, morning. Why, why Tell me about he, that. Why are laughing all this stuff? Is this was he here or is this on the phone? Sounded like it was in here. Uh, are we interested in the answer? Got twenty. Keep going. What about these vacant offices? Uh, I don't want to hear the that question. You guys again. are turning into affordable houses. What's so funny? <laughs> I know you got a press conference eleven thirty this morning. Tell me about that. Uh, I think it's a great concept, a great idea, yeah, great it's concept, great, great concept. Feet of real estate in our commercial uh, corridors and areas. And here's an hey, don't break a sweat, Eric. It's only been a year and a half since you had the job, right? What are you waiting for? Environment post COVID. Oh, post COVID. We're not sure if we're going to use all the office spaces. And you haven't figured that one out yet. Two years you had. Two years. A two year. He had a he had a six month head start before he became mayor. And so, if we have a housing crisis, uh, this is in, uh, this is how you turn. Uh, lemonade out of lemons, and so we're going to look at that. And we you we're turn a lemonade lemons. What did he say? Sure people have Wait. housing. <laughs> Wait, now I know why Sid was laughing. He was talking to the mayor. Why did say we got to turn lemon? Did he try to say make lemons into lemonade? But he didn't quite. He didn't quite close that one. Close the loop on that one, huh? 
Do me a favor. Can you go to that? Find it. Take your time. All right. Let's see. Who else is uh, – we'll take a quick break with this. Saul in uh, Long Island. Hello. Hey. Hi, Greg. How are you? Uh, listen, Greg, from 2008 to 2015, during Obama years, more than 500 federally insured banks failed. How many failed during the Trump? Zero. Now – how many Obama failed under Obama? How, oh yeah, how many failed under Obama? Over 500 well, federal insured banks yeah. failed. All right. Yeah, well, that's why we were at the financial crisis, 2008. Uh, yeah. All right, keep going. Comes, now comes Obama 2.0 slash Biden, and the banks start failing again. And they still blame Trump for this. Can you believe that? It is pretty wild, right? Not only for that, the balloon, the COVID, everything, huh? Right? It's, uh, so uh, I want to look at those numbers. That is interesting. Hey, do me a favor. Oh, here he is. Here's the mayor trying to talk about, this is how he says, let's make, let's make lemonade out of lemons, right? Life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's the adage. All right. How did he say it? So if we have a housing crisis, uh, this is in, uh, this is how you turn uh, lemonade out of lemons. Oh, it wasn't that bad. Kind of got it. This is how you turn lemonade out of lemons. He shouldn't have said turn lemonade out of lemons. It was passable. You know, it sounded all mumbled. Maybe because I was heckling him so aggressively, which he deserves. Oh, by the way, here he is just laying out a plan. Just, okay, I'm going to get around to my plan. Like all Democrats, always telling you how good it will be someday. We need people who know how to act, who know how to do stuff. Sandra, New Jersey, welcome back. Oh, welcome back to you. You know, you're talking about Eric Adams, and I was reading uh, that he is going to have a program now. He's going to have all these immigrants going to college for free in Sullivan County. It's going to cost like $1.2 million the first year for 100 students, only for two semesters, and it's going to continue. And, um, you know, the taxpayers will pay this money, and... And what I wanted to say, there are cons and there are pros, according to what I read. Cons, you know, he's insensitizing and rewarding illegal immigrants to come here, enabling the Biden administration. Hey, listen, don't worry about it. It's just him shooting off his mouth. All right. Nothing's going to come of it. He just says stuff. He's just saying stuff. He has no clue how to make this stuff happen. All he knows how to do is complain and whine and get attention. And uh, hopefully, believe it or not, the Democrats are going to put him up for vice president or something crazy like that. It could happen. Uh, that's how that's how bizarre this world is right now. Anything else on your mind, Sandra, besides Eric Adams? I'm sick of that guy. Okay, I just want to tell you something else. You're not gonna, you might not like it though. You know, I love Donald Trump more than anyone in the world, and yeah. I want him to be our president. I think all he should do is eliminate the name calling because you know what? It's childish. It's unprofessional. What do you mean? You don't think he should call uh, DeSantis Tiny D anymore? Correct. It's, it's stupid already. You know, that's not he, that he, bad. He, Maybe just sneak it in. He didn't. What, what did he call him? Ron DeSantis. I mean, okay, but not, no more. Enough. Now just go on to, you know, policies, attack policies, attack everything else. But just, just that name-calling thing now, I think it's childish. I do think that. Well, I know. But in an emergency, sometimes you got to call somebody a doofus. In an emergency. Okay. In an emergency. All right. No, it's fair point. It's fair point. And he seems to be doing less of that. Okay. Thank you, Sandra. He is doing less of that. And uh, 
I hope he doesn't become like every other candidate we've ever seen. That wouldn't be great. But, um, hey, uh, every other candidate we've ever seen, right? The, the, the pandering, the pandering. Now, Joe Biden went on and said he told that phony story about how he and his father saw two men making out in Wilmington, Delaware in 1962. And they were in awe of the love that they saw in awe of the love. That's love, man. That's love. Now, uh, that's not a true story. <laughs> that's not a fast forward 1996. Well, do I want to tell this whole story? Probably not. Well, I'm just going to say this. Uh, the sight of two men kissing at in Mardi Gras in New Orleans was still it still was it, it in 19, 30 years later it was still a spectacle it was it was in public people were like oh my god what's going on there if that was observed i'm not saying that's right but if that was observed in 1962 in Wilmington Delaware i don't think Mr. Joe Biden senior would have been said oh isn't that beautiful that's love it was a different time things were things were different very different. And Joe, let's see here. You guys cut all the, let me see here. Oh yeah. Here's that little silly story. It doesn't make sense. Cut 13, please. Remember exactly where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. I hadn't thought much about it. Tell you uh-huh. the truth. And I was a, I was a senior in high school and my dad was dropping me off. I remember about to get out of the car and I looked to my right and two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. And then one went, looked like he was heading to the DuPont building, and one looked like he headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget, I turned and looked at my dad. He said, Joey, it's simple. They love each other. It's simple. No, I'm not joking. It's simple. They love each other. And it's never been, it's, it's, it's never been, it's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's same-sex or a heterosexual couple. They should be able to be married. What all right, all right, enough problem? of this. Enough of these lies. I'm sorry, but Joe was not... Man, you know who was for civil civil unions and against uh, gay marriage? Uh, the Obama administration, all right? The Obama administration. Barack Obama said it out loud. Doesn't want gay marriage. He wanted civil unions. Now, they did change their position on that. Whatever. Joe was not a lifelong advocate of this. It's not. Now, the reason why he's getting so whispery and trying to get deep is he's talking to Cal Penn. Who remembers Harold and Kumar, you know, go to Mexico, Harold and Kumar, go to the restaurant, Harold and Kumar, go to Great Adventure. The It's a stoner movie. And Cal Penn happens to be gay, and he's trying to win this guy over or something like that. Uh, all right, so there was that. Uh, do we have the part? No, we don't have the part where Joe says that Ron DeSantis is being sinful in requiring parental notification on issues of gender identity with third graders. That's not sinful. It's sinful to want to talk about gender identification with children when you're not their parent. That's the sin, actually, I would say. How about that one, Joe? Huh? How about that one? Uh, let's see here. Does anything else interesting happen? No. Um, hey, do we still have a governor? Yeah, her name is Kathy Hochul, right? Kathy Hochul. Um, cut 18. 
I'm very grateful to the Biden administration for their swift action. We are in communication all weekend long. They understood the need that we had here in New York to ensure that Signature Bank was also on the list of those that received this, this, uh, these additional protections. Because they saw that a run on a regional bank could pose a great risk to our stability. This was what the level of concern was over the weekend, that people this morning waking up and deciding to take their money out of a bank because of uncertainty. This is it. This is the thing about being a governor. You get, you get to comment on stuff. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She just gets to comment on things. Now, we have New York State examiners. Fortunately, they're basically apolitical. Governors come and go. Those guys remain. Uh, with, did she have any discretion to act? No, but she sure wants to sound like she's in charge. All right, let's not uh, let's not do her any favors in that regard. Susan in East Meadow, yes. Hi, how are you, Greg? Wonderful. Hi, thank you. How are you? Good. Yeah, you got on the topic of the gender gender identity, and oh my goodness, we were at a board meeting in East Meadow last week, and um, I got to speak to that a little bit on News Twelve. And attend the board meeting, which was kind of interesting. Um, you know, this EDI stuff is just bizarre. The fact that anyone thinks they should be teaching sexuality in our schools is just, it, it's its out there. You know, it's really out there. We're trying to um, have the assistant superintendent removed. And I'm sure if they hold on long enough, he'll be removed with a Full pension and rewarded for his idiocy. What's up with your uh, with the assistant superintendent? What's wrong with the guy? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so he he gets on. He um, Project Veritas videoed him uh, in this whole big. Uh, I, I guess I don't know. They were undercover having a sting dinner. operation. Like I guess so. They were having some dinner and drinks, and the idiot actually says that. He always used his sexuality to connect with kids. Now, that in itself is a little bit disturbing because I'd say he's a pedophile if I could say anything. And nobody is concerned by this. And then he goes on to say that all the schools are doing this or many of them and it's being done covertly. And it's going to ruin everything if they stop this. He said all this stuff? Oh, yeah. If you go on. I will. I will. Listen, I'm still steamed at Project Veritas because they got rid of James O'Keefe. So uh, but the work, I guess, must continue. I will check this out, Susan. I haven't seen it. I can't verify anything you just said, but I will look at it. Sounds interesting indeed. How far are you from that big hospital, the Nassau County Hospital Medical Center? Medical Center? Well, I'm at work in Westbury right now, but I'm literally about maybe quarter to a half a mile away from there yeah that building it's a kind of a, it's a cool building it's kind of uh i don't know it's brutalist it's so uh, imposing and uh it's one it's it's an intriguing building i always notice it and i always, I always look for it in the skyline or whatever when i'm around and uh, i don't know why i brought it up all right hey thank you susan very very much hey let's get that james o'keefe thing and when we come back here's joe biden going totally totally I think he could be good friends with his superintendent the way he's talking. Uh, this is good. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Dick Fosbury died. Olympian, right? The Fosbury flop. All right. A little bit before my time, but um, 
Looked like he led a good long life. He's uh, what seventy six years old, was it? Uh, dead at the age of seven, died in his sleep. Uh, he was a very good uh, you know, track and field. Hey, did you see that assault of that woman in Houston? A uh, guy in a hoodie body slams her. A young woman, actually a forty one year old mother of three. She had four thousand dollars on her. She had just withdrawn it apparently. She was arranging uh, transportation. She was going on vacation to Vietnam to visit her family. They haven't caught the guy who did it. This video has gone mega viral, and she may not walk again. Looks like she's, oh, my gosh, horrible, horrible. And I wonder, I just wonder, uh, there's a financial motive here. You know, everyone throws around hate crime, hate crime, hate crime. It's a hate crime. It's being investigated as a hate crime. I see the ethnicities of those involved are not being mentioned. Well, uh, the victim happens to be Asian and the perpetrator happens to be black. Um, but, but we don't talk about that, right? In, in, in those kinds of cases. Why, why is that? Oh, by the way, hmm? why, why, why? Joe Biden gets on a plane, rushes to Atlanta to claim white supremacy when a white person uh, shot an Asian person, even though the FBI, the sheriff, the state police, the local police were telling Joe Biden it's not a racial incident, but he went down there and insisted this is the hand of white supremacy. But I don't hear anything about this. I don't hear anything about the racial component, the potential racial component. And you can talk to people like Kenny Shu. There's an issue. There is an issue in America right now between elements, elements of the Asian community and the African-American community. Uh, the hostility seems to be coming from the African-American portions of portions. We're talking about very small numbers compared to the population at large. But if we pretend there's no problem, how are we going to fix that problem? All right. Now, here's Joe Biden being about as bad as you can be as a human being, in my opinion. Listen to this. A transgender kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. It's not like, you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. Joe, as corrupt a man as ever held that office, my goodness gracious, you think the problem is making children, their parents have that decision for themselves, and avoiding hormonal therapy until the age of 18? That's the sin. That's the sin. Joe, you are one lost lamb. And I hope I hope you get found for your sake and ours, actually. All right. Give me a moment. There's the music. In the squadron, they called him bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I don't know much about football, but I don't want that Aaron Rodgers character coming to New York and playing for the Jets, all right? He's too weird. Uh, seriously, he goes off telling everybody about these psychedelic uh, trips he goes on, right? He takes mushrooms or something like that, 
and he says it's the best thing that ever happened to him, and uh, I think he's a dangerous guy, weird, and stay the hell in, where is he, Wisconsin, Cincinnati? That's fine for him. I don't want him coming here. Can we make arrangements, please? Who's uh, going to hire him? The Jets, the Giants, the Mets? What is he? He's a football player, right? All right, the, the Jets. I don't want him hanging around New York. All right, make that happen, please. Thank you. Um, the other item, uh, hey, one more time. This is a guy who, by the way, touches children who don't want to be touched, who are not his children, very inappropriately. He does. We've all seen it a million times. Sorry to bring it up, but he did. And what did he say about sinful behavior? Let me hear that one more time, please. A transgender kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, it's just terrible what they're doing. All right, stop. It's- I think it's sinful to keep <laughs> assigning stories that didn't happen to your mother and father. That's a little bit sinful. And the don't say gay bill is sinful. Sinful. Don't say gay. Little kids are not allowed, or uh, the teachers, their teachers should not be initiating talk about sex and gender with, I think, anybody third grade or under. How is that sinful, you maniac? You weak, corrupt fool. You want power? You want protection that much that you're going to throw children into the mix, too, huh? And by the way, yeah, I have seen how you touch kids, and it's weird, and it's inappropriate. Hands off, you creep. All right, I gotta get. I want to get finished with this dirt bag because I am sick of them. I'm I, oh, all right. I'm getting a little bit. I'm getting a little bit too heated about this. Chill out. Chill out. All right. What else did he say? It's not like you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, "You know, I decided I want to become a man, or I want to become a woman, or I want to change." I mean, stop. What? It actually is that. That's what's happening right now, because you and the woke left have made it so trendy to be transgender. Literally, kids are waking up and saying, wow, that seems cool. Maybe I should do that. And psychologists are talking about this. They are seeing it. It's a real thing, this trendiness. Now, gender dysphoria is a real thing, and it needs to be handled seriously and treated. And a couple of things, though, most kids grow out of it. And those who don't, the point zero 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 two percent of the population who have that, that's between them and their doctors, all right? All right, what else? But what what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are I mean, it it just to me is I don't know. It's cruel. And the way we do it is we make What sure exactly is cruel? What He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's not even familiar with the legislature. He always, you know, sometimes I wonder if his staff is actually being truthful with him. He doesn't have the bandwidth to really sit there and read anything, right, and internalize data. So he's being told a bunch of stuff. Are they manipulating him and telling him, like, these nightmare stories and he's believing them? I mean, you know, a good example of that is uh, the uh, the Georgia the Georgia voting law. Remember when they tried to fix their voting system, and they did, and they tried to say it was uh, Jim Crow. Uh, this makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I still don't understand that phrase, but that it was racist. Coca Cola, six all those companies 
Even the All-Star game left Georgia. Guess what happened? More people voted than ever before. It works. It works. Voter ID. People like it. But they told them, they must have told them and convinced them this nightmarish scenario about Republicans and now about, you know, that Republicans in Florida don't love their children. You fool. You really, goodness gracious. Everybody had this guy's number. How did this happen? All right, let's wrap it up, please. A little, go ahead. The way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. You mess with that, you break the law, you're going to be held accountable. Wow, tough guy, huh? You mess with that, you break the law. I tell you what, Joe, you mess with a kid. You mess with Tara Reid, you break the law, you're going to be held. Where's the accountability for her, oh, by the way? Where is the accountability for Tara Reid? Who is Tara Reid, you might wonder? Well, she is the woman who worked for Joe Biden who accused him of sexual assault. The matter has never been investigated by law enforcement. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know what happened when Christine Blasey Ford came forward with her charges, her allegations against then-Judge Kavanaugh, and the whole world stopped, and we watched televised national hearings for three days, and there was a national cathartic moment. Remember that? But Joe Biden, nobody, uh, no, 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 no. Do you realize, and I write about this in my book, the false allegation against me in 2012 received more national media attention, more law enforcement attention, the bogus claim against me, Greg Kelly, then local news guy on Channel 5, it received roughly... A thousand times more scrutiny than the very much more credible allegations against Vice President, then Vice President Joe Biden. Isn't that kind of something? Not only Vice President, he was running for president. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here, folks. I still don't get it. George Stephanopoulos did breaking news, breaking news. Local newsman, son of a police commissioner, accused... And then they had this reporter, they had that reporter, they had the legal analysts come by, and then they did it next day and the next day and the next day and the New York Times and the New York Post and all that. Blah, 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 blah. But Joe Biden, <laughs> why is he protected? Why? It shouldn't, uh, by the way, wouldn't he want that kind of, wouldn't he want to clear his name? As, as mine was, by the way, completely and totally exonerated. You can look it up. Can you tell I'm a little bit uh, upset about the whole thing? Maybe I'm a little bit bitter. Not too bitter, by the way. Everything happens for a reason. And um, I learned a hell of a lot. So, uh, but Joe gets to uh, wag his finger at people in Florida who don't think strangers should be talking sex with children, their children. Hmm? That's a problem. People who think that... Uh, Drag queens need to, you know, party with other drag queens, maybe on Friday night. Adult drag queens, hey, hold the party. I might drop by. Leave the kids the hell out of it. It's not difficult. Really isn't. All right. Let's simmer down, huh? Let's just, uh, let's take a chill. And, uh, hmm. how about a movie, everybody? It's a Wonderful Life with Jimmy Stewart. I clipped this up for my show last night. You know they had a bank run in that movie? They had a bank run. Jimmy Stewart was the bank manager. Cut. He's going by in a cab. 
And the cab driver says, uh-oh, and Jimmy Stewart's in the back seat. Cut 30, please. Don't look now, but there's something funny going on over there at the bank, George. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of being a run. Everybody's lined up at the bank. Hey, lady, you got any money in the bank? You better hurry. Got any money in the bank? You better hurry and go get it. So he goes to his bank. Jimmy Stewart is the manager, and everybody's in there, and they're demanding their money. But guess what? When you go to a bank, there's only so much money there. They can't give everybody their money. That's true of any bank. Cut 31, please. George, I got my money here. Did he guarantee this place? Well, no, Charlie. I didn't even ask him. We don't need Potter over here. And I'll take mine now. No, but you're, you're, you're thinking of this place all wrong as if I had the money back in a safe. The, the money's not here. Well, your money's in Joe's house. That's right next to yours. And in the Kennedy house and Mrs. Maitland's house and a hundred others. You're lending them the money to build and then they're going to pay it back to you as best they can. Now, what are you going to do, foreclose on them? Right. The money isn't actually in the bank. Ten percent of it's supposed to be, and that's fine. Uh, but they make loans and they uh, they put it all over the place. One of the problems with this woke bank, Silicon Valley Bank, well, one of the problems was it was so crazy woke. Where's that clip of them? Uh, yeah, listen to this. This is like an internal video. How proud they are of being woke. Cut 25. I think what really sets us apart when we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion at SVB is our culture and our united desire to lead with empathy. We proactively make it our mission at SVB to ensure that our clients, employees, and partners feel listened to and that their voices matter. So from funding underrepresented entrepreneurs um, to having multiple employee resource groups, I could not be prouder of working for a company like SVB. It is all in what we do throughout the year, the space that we hold throughout the year for all of these groups, for, for, for everyone that feels um, that they have a space in, in one of these ERGs and talking about it all the time, not just for Pride Month. All the time, all the time, a safe space. Talk about it all the time, not just for – how about talk about the money? Talk about a safe space for the money, for the cash, all right? You guys took your eye off the ball like everybody else in America. It's not just SVP. It's United Airlines. It's the post office. It's the military. It's uh, wherever you work. Everybody is now have to – this diversity, equity, and inclusion stuff being jammed down their throat. That one line there. Uh, they're going to focus on unrepresented, underrepresented entrepreneurs. What does that mean? You know how rare an entrepreneur is? I mean, entrepreneurs are pretty rare, all right? It doesn't really matter what color they are, what ethnicity they are, does it? Does, does it? How does it? How about their business plan? How about their tenacity? How about their work ethic? How about their intelligence? What about their record of accomplishment? That's the stuff you should be evaluating. So if I go in there and I got the next great idea, I don't, but let's say I did. Uh, because I'm, am I overrepresented? Let me guess. I'm overrepresented because I'm a white male, right? Is that how it's, uh, yeah, that's how it, all right. So what the hell really did happen with this bank? All right. Number one, there was that going on, the whole woke, uh, 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 distraction. And then apparently this stuff was going on. Cut 24. You know what it takes to find out what was wrong with Silicon Valley Bank. 
You needed to know it had a concentration of depositors. You needed to know that it had a, 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 a duration risk in its portfolio. That duration risk was unhedged, and it had a, a series of problems inside of it that the supervisors you both have acknowledged and are beside yourselves couldn't see. Wow. A duration risk in their portfolio that was unhedged. How the hell could they have allowed that? What does that mean? I don't know. I don't. I understand the woke stuff. A duration risk that was unhedged in their portfolio. All right. Let me see if this guy can uh, simple it, simplify it a little bit for me. Please cut 26. I think the greatest weakness uh, in all this is the use of so-called risk-weighted capital measures rather than capital uh, equity capital to assets, which takes in all their assets. Risk-weighted capital measures as opposed to equity capital. Me- I don't know. I don't know. I will say this. You know, that guy called from Long Island and the bank examiner and stuff like that. I'm warming up to the idea that if you, you're you only insured up to $250,000, and that may there may be a rationale for that to stick. All right? It is there, and I can say it's not like it's not advertised. You go into the bank. I remember this as a kid. It says right there in the window. In fact, every teller spot, it says FDIC. That's a big reminder that you never know what can happen. Um, but most of the bankers and Wall Street guys I've been talking to do not accept this part at all. Cut 27. This is an important point. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Let me repeat that. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Now, uh, there's a lot of skepticism about that, um, and Joe is looking for scapegoats, and that's what he does. That's 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 kind of what he's there for, and he did it again yesterday. Whether it's the balloon, whether it's COVID, whether it's uh, uh, anything, it's uh, it's the other guy. Cut 28. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, including the Dodd-Frank law to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. Uh-huh. I'm going to ask Congress and the banking regulators to strengthen the rules for banks to make it less likely this kind of bank failure would happen again. Well, when he got there, he had the House, he had the Senate, and he had the White House. Why didn't he do it then? Uh, why not? Why not? All right. This is just blame. This is just lying. This is just deception. And that's what he does. It's muscle memory. That's the one thing he's good at lying. I'll be back. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So Naomi Wolf, Naomi Wolf. Remember that name? She was a, uh, well, a prominent liberal. She did famous work for Al Gore. She was the one who told him to wear earth tones, and she's like this uh, – I don't know what she is exactly. She used to be, a, I guess, a political strategist. She's kind of a philosopher. Uh, she always leaned left to me, but she has this major piece out on her substack, uh, an apology to uh, conservatives. And she believed all the hype and lies about January 6th, but her eyes have been opened she now uh, sees how we have been lied to and how that day has been so distorted. And she goes into great, great detail here, talking about how you know, things far worse at the Capitol have happened many, many times. And the Capitol actually is not contrary to uh, what they tell us, is not meant just for members of Congress and 
and senators. It's actually supposed to be an open public building and all this stuff. It's very, very interesting. Hey, should we do this? All right. On our, we, it's the number one song in America right now, the January 6th choir. It's so well done. The January 6th prisoners singing the national anthem. I think Marjorie Taylor Greene recorded it and they put this on, they kind of laid it down in the studio somehow. That, that recording and had Donald Trump do the national anthem over it. They took it from various uh, events of his, put it together, and this is the number one song on iTunes right now. Hit it. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. To the republic for which it stands, break unfortunately very very powerful you can get it on itunes the video is even more more impactful be right back greg kelly Kelly. on the red apple podcast network uh so hmm. everyone is still really upset about this drone going down i don't think it's the biggest deal in the world at all uh, SVB Bank. Yeah, we took care of that. Oh, I want to show you this. Donald Trump, uh, you compared Joe Biden just coming out there and stumbling through a statement full of lies, by the way. And also what permeates Joe Biden is a complete lack of knowledge and intellect and skill. Uh, just the worst of the worst when it comes to career politicians. You know, vote for me. I got a great smile. And that's uh, look at me. I'm trim. That's a big part of Joe's appeal. The smile. And uh, he's uh, he's slim. Really, that's uh, he spent a lot more time working on that smile and working on keeping trim than he has worrying about us and genuinely trying to improve America. Uh, when it comes to this banking situation, he has nothing to offer. Zero. Um, you know who would have a lot to offer if he were president right now? Yep. Donald Trump. Absolutely. You know, remember the trouble that he went through in the 90s and the bailout and then this and then that and he talks about it. He owns up to it. And it was a struggle. And he worked it out. He worked it. Sat down at a table with bankers talking about billions and billions and billions of dollars. He's been through stuff like this before. He knows it. And that's not superficial. That's not just, oh, that doesn't apply here. Yes, it does. It's real world stuff. Show me 50 uh, career bureaucrats at the Department of Treasury. They would not know 1% of what Donald Trump knows about this stuff because he's lived it. Cut 32, please. 
New Jersey Casino Control Commission has unanimously approved Donald Trump's bailout plan. That plan allows him to use his three Atlantic City casinos as collateral for a $65 million loan. In order to finance a loan, Trump was forced to airline, his yacht, and a chunk of one of his earliest projects, the Grand Hyatt Hotel in Manhattan. You know, I had a wife who was suing me for $2 billion. I had the banks. I had this. I had that. Who knows better about hard times than me? I had a company. It was doing well. I had tremendous debt like this country. And in 1990, the whole country, it just went very, very bad. Back in the 1990s, you owed something like $900 million. Your empire was pretty much... Much more than that. You owed more than that? 975 was personally guaranteed. That was just the small part. That was the harder debt. But I owed many, many billions of dollars. And now my company is much bigger and stronger than it was in the uh, 80s. Now, that's the kind of guy who could get a, a bank or the banking industry out of a fix, or at least be able to speak that language and make the right decisions. You know, there's a famous story. He's walking down Madison Avenue in the 50s. And they see a homeless guy and Donald Trump points at the homeless guy. You see that guy? He's worth a billion dollars more than I am because I'm a billion dollars in debt. If that guy has no debt, he's actually wealthier than I am. Agnes is in Ocean County, New Jersey. Hi. Hi, Greg Kelly. I just wanted to say, when are you going to make that movie? You could use your book as a theme. What do you mean by that? Make a movie out of the book? Well, didn't you say that someone suggested you make a movie? Oh, right. No, that is uh, not going to work out. I told you that they wanted me to, you know, I'd have to, I was going to go to Vancouver, Canada for six weeks. I just couldn't pull it off. Um, but it was a very interesting offer from a very uh, significant uh, person in the industry. So uh, I can't do it. My, my, uh, my, my, my New York responsibilities, I just can't leave. I know, I know. But anyway, I just wanted to ask about Ashley Babbitt and the guy that shot her. How come he didn't shoot everyone else with his gun that were breaking all the windows? Yeah, by his definition, by his definition, if you accept what he says that Ashley Babbitt was a threat because of what she was doing, and if you accept that her killing was justified, which I don't, but let's say for a moment you do, and let's say for a moment the Capitol Hill Police does, Well, then the Capitol Hill Police is negligent because they should have shot everybody. They should have shot dozens and dozens, maybe even hundreds of people. Right. Which is which is which is lunacy, obviously. So he's a bad cop. Uh, You know, let's face it. uh, Identity politics, racial politics. If it was a white male shooter or a white female shooter who took out a black uh, uh, female, it would be. Well, it would be Black Lives Matter Summer 2020 all over again. It's insane, insanely dishonest. Agnes, thank you very much. Larry is in Brooklyn. Something that you said about Naomi Wolf triggered me when you said that the Capitol is more than just a place that Congress convenes. I've known that all along, okay? And I've always likened January 6th to the Boston Tea Party because I I feel that the Capitol was an appropriate venue. Now, contrast that with, like you just said, summer of 2020, when the Black Lives Matter protest is set upon a federal courthouse and all those FBI agents were, you know, DEA agents were injured, some of them temporary. Your phone is going down. Your phone is going down. I'm not hearing you as well. Just stand up or go back to where you were a moment ago. What? Was everybody apprehended that was there tearing down the federal courthouse in the summer of 2020? I I don't think so. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. We've covered this, Larry. 
Yeah, okay, but I'm just pointing out what she said triggered that. And also, Naomi Wolf is you should ride her like a wave because she's a tremendous first person. She's she's uh, she used to be a radical feminist. No, I I, 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 I alluded to that. I mean, she was a well, she worked for Clinton and Gore. A ride her like a wave. Look, I I appreciate her writings. All right, I think she might be. You know, she's trying to sell articles on Substack. And guess who uh, reads a lot on Substack? Okay, <laughs> conservatives. I think this might be a marketing move in part, but I like what she's saying. I mean, I agree with it. Uh, I I just there are a lot of people who agree with. It. If you used to think something else, that's great. That's interesting. I mean, I'm glad you came to our side, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna overdo it with her. Uh, having said that, I may book her on the show tonight. All right, Larry, thank you very much. Let's try Diane in Freeport. Hello. Hi, Greg. How are you? Yes, good. Okay, well, I was just calling in because there's so much conversation about these illegal immigrants going upstate and going to college and things like that. What makes people think that the people that are coming over illegally are qualified to take part in college? Or if they even want to go to college. Amen. When you're yeah. in college, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to make money. A lot of these folks came here to make money. Look, like a lot of what Eric says, all right, the mayor, it's just hot air. There's no real, he has no mechanism. He has no backup for this. There'll be some token thing. They'll send six people to some community college. They'll drop out in two days. It's just, and it gives us something to talk about. I, I, I don't like being played like that. I really don't think it's a, it's a serious thing because he's not a serious man. And even if he wanted to do it, even if he, he couldn't, even if he genuinely wanted to do it, and he had the attention span to follow through. Well, he doesn't have the administrative skill. He doesn't have the political. Uh, he, just, he just doesn't know what he's doing. So I'm not going to get too worked up about it. Um, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, well, you also have to worry about the people that are under 18. They're entitled to go to high school now. So you can have 18-year-old guys in an English class with your 14-year-old daughter. Yeah, uh, well, not the school that I have my daughter going to, quite frankly. Uh, it ain't gonna happen there. I already told you, I've been very upfront about this. Some people, you know, in the public eye, they try to downplay that they're sending their kids to private school. That's where my kids are going, alright? They're never gonna set foot in a New York City public school. Sorry. Um, it's just, it's too crazy. Any, forget the 18 year old kid. Look, you're right. I could worry about that too. But I took one look at the crazy drag queen story hour situation, okay? That's when I made my decision. And you're right. I should be worried about everybody else. And I am. I am. But, I, uh, you know, there's a lot going on here. Diane, how are you otherwise? Hey, Freeport, uh, do you live near a canal? north of Atlantic, but I know the canals. I grew up in Freeport. I used to love going down there on the fishing trips. Um my mother liked it more than I did. It was like three hours. It was too long. And uh, uh, but uh, do they still have those fishing trips? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we used to go. And uh, again, it was fun for the first fifteen minutes, and then I found it very yeah. boring. Uh, but it's still a good thing to do. Thank you, Diane, very, very much. Oop, I'm okay. almost up. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, the Pentagon briefing is over already. All right, turn it up, please. Operations in Iraq and Syria. The concerning range of threats posed by Iran, including its destabilizing regional activities and provision of unmanned aerial systems to right. Russia, 
for use in their unprovoked war against Ukraine. All right, never mind. He goes on. All right, I thought he was talking about something else. This is uh, this is the real news, actually, that they're not talking about because of Joe Biden and his uh, reckless rhetoric during the campaign and uh, his overall lack of skill. Um, America is rapidly becoming a second tier power, uh, and we're ceding all this uh, status to China. Um, in 2019, Joe felt like a big shot. And this is what the Democrat Party wanted to hear. Anything to distinguish yourself uh, from Donald Trump, Joe would say and say boldly. Cut 33, please. The CIA has concluded that the leader of Saudi Arabia directed the murder of U.S.-based journalist Jamal Khashoggi. The State Department also says the Saudi government is responsible for executing nonviolent offenders and for torture. President Trump has not punished senior Saudi leaders. Would you? Yes. And I said it at the time. Khashoggi was, in fact, murdered and dismembered. And I believe in the order of the crown prince. And I would make it very clear. We were not going to, in fact, sell more weapons to them. We were going to, in fact, make them pay the price and make them, in fact, the pariah that they are. Yeah. Tough talk. Sounded good. But, um... Well, about a year later, Joe had to go to Saudi Arabia and tell that guy he accused of ordering a murder, MBS, the pariah, right? Mohammed bin Salam, I believe his name is, right? The crown prince of Saudi Arabia. Uh, could you please give us some more oil? Uh, they fist bumped. Remember that? Yeah, could we, uh, we need more oil. And what did uh, MBS do? He said, screw you, Biden. I remember all that stuff you said about me and my country. We're not going to help you. And oh, by the way, China wants to introduce us again to Iran. And now Iran and Saudi Arabia have full and complete and open diplomatic relations for the first time in a long time. That screws things up. The balance of power. And you know who orchestrated that? Yeah, again, China. Do you know when Richard Nixon went to China in 1972, Opened up China. In retrospect, that might have been a mistake. Okay, <laughs> that's another discussion. But it was a big, at the time, diplomatic success. You know who was really sweating it, and appropriately so? Russia. All right? Russia was kind of freaking out. And now we have the this new world order where China and Russia, traditionally, they just were rivals. And I know they're both officially, they were for a long time, communist countries, not anymore, Soviet Union, China. Um, but they kind of hated each other at the same time. And we could use that to our advantage. Well, now those guys have teamed up against us. And Donald Trump raised this uh, yesterday in in Iowa, saying even a kid, a child, a child could understand all this stuff. And Joe blows it. Ah, once again, our Philosopher in chief Barbara on Hunt in Huntington. Hello, Barbara. Welcome back. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Good afternoon, Greg. I'm 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 blown away here because as I'm hearing you talk about our country, I can't believe it's as if we are being held hostage by an un-American. Um, uh, well, I don't. A Manchurian candidate, if you will, right? Like he's, uh, yes. like he's a yes. double agent somehow. I hear you. I mean, that's how. Yes. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that's what's going down. But anyway, keep going. That that's kinder than what I was going to say. 
And when I think about all of the Americans who suffered and and risked everything over generations and generations to bring us to where we were just a few years ago, when we were energy independent, when things were growing, when jobs were coming back to this country and, and people were prospering and minorities were prospering. And that was just such a few years ago. And now that's all gone. And we have these huge, huge problems now. So I hear you talking about the banking, and I was so glad to see you use Thomas Jefferson's quote last night. Oh, that was, well, it was John Adams. John Adams. I hope I got it right. John Adams. And that's from you, my wonderful listeners, especially you, Barbara. Great ideas. And uh, I I thought I I I thought we weaved it in very well. I was going to say it was masterfully done masterfully done and making all the points and really putting a, 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 a final, you know, push on the points that you were making. It was masterfully done. And now I'm thinking Thomas Jefferson, because I was reading today what Jefferson had to say, some of the things he had to say. And one of the things he said is, I place economy among the first and most important virtue and public debt as the greatest of dangers to be feared. And that's what we see with this banking crisis that we're in now, with the inflation, with the printing of money, with the the buying back of bonds, et cetera, with the way the economy has been handled, so that it all comes down to what Biden says is not true. He says the taxpayers will not bear the burden. Well, that's not true. Can you do me a favor? The government only has our money. Can you give me that quote one more time? I place economy among the first and most important virtues and public debt as the greatest of dangers to be feared. And that's Thomas Jefferson. So when he says economy, he's speaking economy like um, almost like frugality. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, So economy, care, knowledge, wisdom, being careful, being knowledgeable about how how coin works in the um, quote that you had last night. We can't be ignorant of the nature of coin, credit, and circulation. So he's talking about being wise and being economical and how important that virtue is. Well, I'm going to start making you an associate producer of my show if I keep using these beautiful quotes you give me, but that's a doozy. It really is, Barbara. Well, thank you for the wisdom once again. And uh, Barbara and I have a special project. We'll be telling you about it soon. Thank you, Barbara, very, very much. And I I hope that you're wearing that pin, that cross pin with the flag on it um, that I handed to you uh, when we met. And um, that pin also, I gave one of those to Justice Scalia when I met him. Uh, So I have it. I don't wear it everywhere I go. Right. I just, yeah. I'll tell you, you know, I just, I felt like I was, you know, I love it. And I wore it proudly that day and I have it. It's a beautiful cross with the American flag on it. But I, I was just wondering if I was being a little bit, you know what I mean? I, I don't want to, well, you know, when they talk about wearing something on your sleeve, let me put it to you this way. I'm a patriot. I, I don't wear the American flag pin. I just, you know, I just, I, I, you can if you want. It's just not, I just, I don't know. You know why? Because I've seen so many half patriots. I've seen so many swamp dwellers put that flag pin on and not really, it's, 
It's I found them to be hypocritical. Does that make sense you know at all? What? I don't know. Yes. I mean, yes, it does. And everyone in their in their lot in life decides what is right for them. What is the best way to show your patriotism? What is the best way to show your faith? And that's different for everyone. Well, I will never, ever, ever uh, uh, lose this thing, and I will wear it on uh, special occasions and always remember who gave it to me. Barbara, thank you very, very much. Uh, really uh, good stuff there, and uh, it is a great pin, and I – yeah, I, it's funny. I wore that jacket yesterday and I wasn't sure. And I, 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 I you know, I just, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, maybe I'll wear it tomorrow. Okay. Oh, wait, Barbara, are you still there? I will. Yeah. Uh, Barbara, Barbara, don't go away. What do we do about this? Okay. You know, they're going to, they're probably going to indict Trump on that, uh, Stormy Daniels stuff. Uh, listen to this sleaze, uh, Michael Cohen talk about it. Uh, this is going back, what, seven years. Cut seven, please. Cut seven. What do you think the result of your testimony today, what, what will be the result? Can you imagine Mr. Trump being arrested? Is that what you want? No. Again, you've heard me say this many times. My goal, this is not revenge, right? What this is is about accountability. I don't want to see anyone, including Donald Trump, indicted, prosecuted, convicted, incarcerated, simply because I fundamentally disagree with them. This is all about accountability. He needs to be held accountable for his dirty deeds. Dirty deeds. Dirty deeds. Look, all right, forget him. I thought uh, there's nothing there. Um, but a check was written. What, how do you explain to your friends who bring – I have my own kind of line of attack. But what do you say about the Stormy Daniels stuff? How do you address it? I have to say I discuss um, things like this all the time with friends and so forth. And that has literally never, ever, ever come up. But I do believe when I hear it myself, like when you're talking about, it just strengthens my resolve to put forward the truth and to tell the truth about our past president and about our current president. The truth of their actions, the truth of their motivations, which are made clear by their actions. Absolutely. And that old adage, uh, Every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. I like that one, too. Barbara. Oh, I'm sorry. Andrew, Debbie, Robert, Rachel, and the rest. We'll get to you tomorrow. Uh, many thanks. I'll see you tonight on the Newsmax show. Uh, appreciate everyone. And uh, what's the weather going to be? Is it going to be worse tonight? No, not really. Not really? All right. Very good. Very good. Bye-bye.